Welcome to this week's Point Community Church Sunday Sermon. If you'd like to learn more about the Point Community Church, please visit our website at tpcc.org.au. If we haven't met before, my name's Steve. Uh, I'm going to be preaching from that passage in a, in a moment, so keep, keep that part of the Bible open. And then after the sermon, we're going to sing a song, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together, which you might have gathered by the table set up around the room, uh, which means there won't be any question time today. Uh, happy to uh, answer questions uh, during morning tea with you. And on the Lord's Supper, um, if this is uh, your first sort of month or two with us, this is our first celebration of the Lord's Supper this year, yay, yep. Um, uh, once a month we generally celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Uh, we use grape juice, not wine. Uh, part of the reason is sometimes the kids are in with us and we want families to be making decisions around kids celebrating the Lord's Supper. We don't want to serve alcohol to kids. And we also want to help brothers and sisters who have had a lifetime of struggling with alcohol as well. Uh, so, so that's on that front and just letting you know in preparation for that and, and where we're headed. But how about I pray again? And look at this amazing passage of God's word. Oh, Father God. Um, it's incredible. You're not a God who, who made a world and then ran away and expect us to sort of work everything out. You're a God who is king and Lord and creator, yes, but a God who is father and near and dear. And so we pray that we will be stunned by just who you are today and, and, and where you are with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so today's passage, did you hear it? It opens with uh, Jesus declaring, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Now, it is very important that we hear Jesus' tone correctly. Jesus is not saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus' tone, it's not angry. It's not demanding. Jesus' tone, I'm not sure if he's got one. It's neutral. Jesus is stating a fact. You see, obedience is a true expression of love. Obedience is a true expression of love. Think about wedding vows. I, Steve, take you, Nicole. She's not here, is she? She's out at Kids Church, but follow along with me. To be my wife according to God's holy commands to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to, to love and to cherish until we are parted by death. To this I give you my word. Now, this I haven't seen happen in a wedding before. It didn't happen in Nicole and mine, but an appropriate, true, dare I say, romantic response from the spouse would be, if you love me, Steve, you will keep your vow. That's, that's not a demand. That, that's just a natural expectation. Obedience is a true expression of love. 
And here's where the rubber really hits the road for our Christian faith, doesn't it? Because we all fail to keep Jesus' commands. We have our successes, absolutely. But, but none of us keep Jesus' commands. Well, got some good news for you today. Uh, Four weeks ago, we began our series in uh, John chapters 13 through 17. And what we've discovered over the last four weeks is that Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And today, we're going to see that part of that preparation that Jesus gave his disciples was the promise of the Holy Spirit. Promise of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Brother, sister, from now on, when you uh, end up with questions about the Holy Spirit, I want you to run to John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, We often run to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, when we have questions about the Holy Spirit, uh, because what we want is some clarification about, you know, the spiritual gifts. What are our spiritual gifts? And, And spiritual gifts are important, but they're only secondary. Uh, What the Holy Spirit actually wants to help us with is more than just what we do as Christians. What the Holy Spirit wants to help us with is love. And in particular, to love Jesus. Think about that for a moment. To so love Jesus that he is our number one treasure. Jesus, I vow, I promise to take you as my King and Saviour, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish forever. To this I give you my word. Isn't that the longing of our soul? And amen might have been appropriate. Brother and sister, Jesus has good news for us this morning. Jesus promises the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to discover this morning is that the Holy Spirit's job, his work in us, is to help us love Jesus' commands, to help us know and experience the communion we have with Father and Son, and to know peace. And so there are three headings for this morning. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us love Jesus' commands, to know the communion that we have with the Father and Son and to know this peace that Jesus talks about. And so firstly, the Holy Spirit helps us love Jesus' commands. You've got your Bible open, John 14, verse 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Remember when Jesus first spoke these words, he was preparing the disciples for his departure. 
uh, when a parent is about to leave on an extended break, they'll, uh, say for work, they'll, they'll sit their child down to reassure them, won't they? Okay, I'm about to go away. It's going to be a long time. One month. Now, don't worry, I'm coming back. And while I'm away, we can FaceTime. The parent will do the best job to reassure the child. Jesus was reassuring his disciples, which includes you and me. Jesus will come back. And while he's away, we have something infinitely better than FaceTime. Because the helper... Jesus mentions in verse 16, is not a something, he is a someone. The helper is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. One of the beautiful, mind-blowing realities of our God is that he is one and he is three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in the verse that we just read, the verses we just read, we see two of them. We see the Son and the Spirit. Remember uh, here, Jesus right now just called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth. Do you remember what Jesus said about himself last week? Verse 6 of the same chapter, I am the way and the truth and the life. One truth, and yet Jesus is the truth and the Holy Spirit is the truth. And then there's verse 18. Jesus, we haven't looked at this one yet. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, hang on a minute. (laughs) Hasn't Jesus just been telling us he's going away? Isn't the whole point of these verses, he's getting ready for his departure. He's not coming back. And then the comfort is, I will send you the helper, the spirit of the truth. And then he makes a head spin. Verse 18, I will come back to you. Part of the truth and beauty and glory of God being three in one is that right now Jesus is in heaven. And right now, he is, if you are a believer, in you by his spirit. Now the way that he's present in heaven right now is very different to the way that he's in us because right now he's in us by his spirit. That all makes sense, doesn't it? Hang in there. Let's keep going. Because it's going to get even better. We're about to see it's not just Jesus who's dwelling in us by the Spirit, but the Father as well. But just before we get there, Jesus wants us to know how profound this reassurance is. We are not alone. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. We have the Spirit. The the Holy Spirit is a personal residence of God in every believer. The Holy Spirit is the personal residence of God in every believer. Why am I stressing personal? Because Jesus did. Did you see that in verse 17? Even... The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. (laughs) You know him for he dwells with you. The Holy Spirit is not an it but a him. 
Now, this is not a sermon on the Trinity. Uh, This is not a sermon on the Holy Spirit. There's so much more to be said, but sitting at the core of the doctrine of the Trinity, uh, doctrine of the Holy Spirit, is a personal God who has eternally existed in a perfect relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And now I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to ask a question. I think it's the sort of question where there is only one answer, but there might be more than one answer. So don't be afraid to call out your answer, but I'm going to do my best not to embarrass anyone, okay? And so if you only had one word to describe a perfect relationship, what would that one word be? Love. 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 Sitting at the core of the doctrine of the Trinity and the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is a personal God who has eternally existed in a perfect relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible says God is love. And with that set up, come with me to the very last words of Jesus' preparation for the disciples. John chapter 17, verse 26. This is the end of Jesus' high priestly prayer. John 17, verse 26. I made known to them your name. And I'll continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Wow. Yes, the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is expansive. Like how do we get our heads around it all? But, but as with all doctrines, they are beautiful. And so, brother, sister, if it is too difficult for you to comprehend how God can be one, one in essence and yet three persons, if it is too difficult for you to get your head around how Jesus has departed, he is in heaven and the way that he's in heaven is different to the way that he's in us because he's in us by his spirit. If that is too difficult for you to get your head around, that's okay. But do know this. God is after a perfect, intimate, loving relationship with his children. Jesus came to draw us into the perfect (laughs) relationship of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And if all you ever know about the Trinity for the rest of your life only comes from John chapter 14, 15, 16 and 17 you will be a very rich, rich Christian. Which is a good place for me to conclude. Our first point, not the sermon. (laughs) Uh, The Holy Spirit helps us love Jesus' commands. The Holy Spirit helps us love Jesus' commands. Right after verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Jesus launches into his teaching on the helper, on the spirit of truth. Listen, every Christian feels the weight of our failures. 
Jesus' commandments are huge. Love God with your entire being and love your neighbour as yourself. We all fail. Now, now the twin dangers of how we deal with that failure are like two sides of the the mountain that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. The the, the one, uh, we cope with our failures by going, well, they don't really matter. God's going to forgive anyway, and and we take God's grace and make it cheap grace. But, But the other way of dealing with our failures is to so focus on our failures that we only feel shame. Living with cheap grace, drowning in shame, is a sure sign that we're not keeping in step with the Spirit. You see, the Helper, the Spirit of Truth, is teaching us to love Jesus' commands, not water them down or cheapen them. And the Spirit of Truth is also speaking to us to say, Do you know the promises of God? Do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you know that you are now adopted into this love? You see, the Holy Spirit's job is to lift our eyes to Jesus. And he is our redemption. And he is our righteousness. The Holy Spirit's job is to help us love Jesus' commands. That's the first point. Our second point, because uh, we've actually got two more, uh, two more to go, don't we? Have number two, number three. We're going to be quicker on the last two. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps us know communion with the Father and the Son. Let's read from verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. One of the ways you know someone loves God is by the way that they're always reading God's word. You see, our personal devotions are not simply an an act of obedience. A church's commitment to preaching and to Bible studies is not simply based around tradition. It's not an academic exercise. What sits at the heart of every believer, what sits at the heart of every Christian church is uh, wanting to centre our lives on God in his word. If you ever have the opportunity to meet one of your heroes, here's a top tip. Pull out your app on your phone that takes notes. You want to take some notes or pull out an actual notebook and, and, and take some notes if you get to meet your hero. Don't meet your hero and say, oh, let me tell you about all the YouTube clips I've watched of you. Let, let me tell you about all the, your podcasts that I've listened of you. Let me tell you about all the books I've read about you. Sit down 
and take in every word. The work of the Holy Spirit is to inspire us to hang off every word of God. Not because that's our tradition, not because it's the way that we earn our way to heaven, and not because Christianity is all head but no heart and no hand. We hang off every word in the Bible because every word in the Bible is the word of God. Think about how much you love to spend time with your best friend. That time is, it's called friendship. It's called fellowship. It's called communion. Christians love to commune with God. And what Jesus is telling us is that God loves to commune with his people, to make his home with us. Let verse, read verse 23 again. Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The work of the Holy Spirit is to draw us into that communion with Father and Son. Now, can we love the Word in a way that has nothing to do with communion with God? Yes. Look at the Pharisees. But can we have communion with God without the Word of God? No. Impossible. It'd be like saying, I love my spouse, but man, I don't want to listen to her. The work of the Holy Spirit is to draw us into communion with the Father and the Son through the Word. That's the second point. Finally, the work of the Holy Spirit is to give us peace during the Son's departure. Now, listen from verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Oh, how many times will we feel the brokenness of this world? Whether it's our own battle with our own personal sin. Whether it's a loved one's battle with their sin. The world's battle with sin. Our spiritual battle with Satan. Relationship problems, health problems, money problems, world global issues. You know, there's, there's wars, there's poverty, there's the sex trade, there's sexism, there's racism, there's corruption of government and in corporations, there's natural disasters. Welcome to church. Am I cheering you up? And then as Christians, we have the added burden of persecution. Troubles, troubles troubles do you think Jesus knows the troubles of the 21st century of course he does Jesus knows 
our troubles. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. Now, after Jesus originally spoke those words, he did depart, didn't he? And that was 2,000 years ago. And he hasn't returned. It might be another 2,000 years before Jesus returns. It might be two days. We don't know. And it doesn't matter. Because Jesus is true to his word. And right now, he's with us by his spirit. Let not your heart be troubled. So, we live in a world full of troubles. And our king says, let not your heart be troubled. What do we do? Are we sinning every time we get anxious or afraid? No. No. Not every time. Because you remember last week? We looked at those verses where we're told Jesus was troubled. Matthew chapter 26, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is on the ground, flat out praying. He told the disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Our problem is not getting anxious and afraid. Our problem is what we do with our anxiousness and fear. If we have communion with God, communion with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God is our rock, our refuge, our hiding place, our comfort, our direction, our peace. If we have daily communion with God, we know the promises of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And so sometimes our prayers will be full of anxiety and fear. Just read the Psalms. Sometimes our prayers, we're the child. No matter how old you are, we are the child. Crying with anxiety and with fear to the Father. Who's not just there, who's here. And there is a peace that will come. A peace that the world just cannot give. Drugs and alcohol, mask, that's the best they can do. Netflix binging can distract. Insta scrolling. The sweet little cordials of Facebook. It's not lasting peace. What is Philippians chapter 4? Verse 6 say, In everything, 
By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and let the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard our what's? Hearts. We just might lose an arm or a leg. Our minds might suffer depression, Alzheimer's, dementia. Our persecutors might kill us. Cancer might kill us. The cost of living might just leave us destitute. And yet there is a peace that surpasses all understanding for the children of God. Brother, sister, what vow have you made with Jesus. Is it the deep, intimate, come hell or high water, I will hang on every word in this book? Because know this the vow that Jesus has made is powerful and guaranteed. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when I depart, I am with you by my spirit. With you. As in intimately with you. By the spirit. Right now, the father and son has made his home with you if you are in Christ. And so, are you doing everything you can to avail yourself of the work of the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit loves, loves, loves to come and pour his blessing on those who love, love, love the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we live in a world of trouble, full of trouble. We would love for your son to come back today and wrap things all up. And so while we wait, would you make our hearts believe that you are our Father, you are our God who is in control of all things. Right now we are in communion with you that this Bible is not a textbook but is the living, active word of you made alive by your spirit in us. And Father, I pray for anyone in particular this morning who has a very, very troubled heart. Would it not just be your spirit that provides comfort? Would it be us as a community, as a family, as a home as well? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for our latest sermon, or better yet, join us live at 9.30 or 5 p.m. Sunday. You can find all the details on our website at tpcc.org.au.